Chris Graves. Hi, I'd like to welcome my very good friend and fellow researcher, and he's also a comic book artist, has done many, many different things in that field, I believe, Mr. Peter Sikosh. How you doing, Pete? I'm doing all right, Chris. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing fine. I just, I found out a while ago that you are a brand new father. What's that like? Because uh, I can barely tie my shoes, let alone uh, be responsible for another human being. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, it is, uh, well, our, our daughter, uh, our daughter is almost a month old at this point, believe it or not. I mean, you know, time just rolls by real quick. Um, it's funny because it's the, you, it's sort of a, it's sort of a crash course into it. There aren't like a lot of, obviously there's, you know, baby books and whatnot, but you kind of get thrown into it and, you know, you just got to start figuring things out. Um, but, yeah, first week was pretty hard, and now we're, I think we're sort of, you know, getting into the groove of things. Uh, it's starting to kind of, it, it's weird. I, I, I would describe it as the, the hardest thing I've ever done, but it's also one of the most amazing things I've ever done. Um, have you gotten a lot of sleep? <laughs> uh, not, not much at first. Um, you know, I, I usually get woken up one once or twice a, a night, but it's, it's not too bad. I've, I've started learning how to take naps, you know, <laughs> a whole lot of them. So, yeah, my body <laughs> kind of forces me to do that. Uh, yeah. So I kind of can uh, identify, but uh, I wish I was in your position, <laughs> actually. But, well, that, yeah, that's really uh, cool because I don't really know much about that. Like I said, I had a cat once and she was like a kid to me, you know, but it's not quite the same. Sure. Yeah. The uh, The most... Probably the most amazing thing is, you know, you get to see, uh, you know, this this little person, like, discover things for the first time. Like, you know, we gave her a bath, and she was, like, amazed just by seeing water, you know? <laughs> it's just like, water, come on, you know? It's like all the stuff that you and I just take for granted, you know? It's, uh, we've, we've gotten so used to it. It's just, we, we stopped really noticing how, how amazing these things are, you know, in the, the world around us. And you're basically seeing it through new eyes, which, uh, sounds really appealing, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, she's, she's just started smiling. Her, uh, umbilical cord, uh, fell off finally. This is all, this is all kind of Mine stuff. Mine too. That... Two weeks ago. <laughs> two weeks <So>. ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to get over the trauma, but we'll get there. Yeah. But anyway, you know, congratulations. It could, you know, that couldn't have happened to a, a nicer, nicer, nicer fellow like yourself. Um, for the, uh, for the audience out there, I mean, I know your backstory somewhat. Uh, how did you get involved with the, the comic book industry? Um, well, it, it, I've always been, I've always been interested in comic books. You know, my folks bought me comics when I was, uh, I was, I don't know, like maybe two or three. I remember they bought me this whole stack of them that they got at some, uh, some drugstore or something. And we went on this trip along highway one in California and their old VW van. And I just remember <laughs> like puking all over them. Cause you know, it's, it's highway one and you, you know what that's like. <laughs> um, but, uh, let's see. And then, you know, I've always wanted to draw them and, um, at one point, my my mom actually ran into uh, a friend of mine. His name is John Hebink. He's a he used to draw Quasar and Nick Fury for Marvel back in the day, um, and he and I went on to to do a bunch of other books together. But my mom ran into him at jury duty one at one point, like in the late nineties, and um, he and I connected up ever since. And I started out, you know, in his office working with him, working alongside. Um, Oh, it was, it was amazing because, you know, it was this, it was this office in San Francisco and there were all these different guys in the, like coming and going in the office. Um, you know, it'd be like, we had my friend John. There was also this guy named, uh, John, John Francis Moore and he worked in the office next to us. He was the writer of the Flash TV show. Wow. And yeah, I know. 1991 or the CW? Well, it would have to be the 1991. It was the 1991 with, uh, uh, John Wesley Ship. Wesley Ship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So he was over there writing, uh, I guess he was writing X-Force at the time that I started sharing an office with him. Um, we had a few other people in that office. We had, uh, we had a guy named, uh, Derek Robertson, who's the, 
He's the artist of Transmetropolitan, and he was also the main artist on uh, the main artist and co-creator of, of the Boys, the the comic oh, book. Wow. With uh, with he used to work with Garth Ennis all the time, and well, yeah, he did he, the best Punisher in my opinion, Garth Ennis. Oh yeah, yeah, that was dark. That was a dark comic. Yeah, that's what the <laughs> later know. movies were kind of based on his work there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But anyway, yeah, so especially the I, Thomas Jane stuff. Yes, that, and then I think he had an influence on uh, the War- Punisher War Zone movie that came out a few years later, and even with the um, the TV show on Netflix, yes. I believe. Yeah. Yes. Um, so this gentleman worked with him on The Boys. Yeah. So he he was in our office, and then we had a there was a guy named uh, named Kieran Dwyer. He was another artist. He um, he did. Uh, I guess he did Captain America. I think that's what he's most known for. He's the uh, the stepson of John Byrne. He also worked on he also worked on Avengers when I was there. Um, he worked on Avengers with a guy named uh, Rick Remender. He was also in our office at one point. It was really cool. Um, he was an anchor at the time, but then he went on to write a lot for Marvel, and he ended up having a TV show at one point um, with his characters. It was um, I want to say Umbrella Academy, but it wasn't. It was it was another show that had to do with like assassins in a school or something um, okay yeah i don't remember Umbrella academy was uh, based on the, the jfk character from the jfk assassination the umbrella man and i think it had something to do with the the singer for uh, my chemical romance i think he wrote the comic books i could be totally wrong on that but but yeah i, I wanted to check that out actually umbrella academy but that's the only one i yeah. can think of that would have like assassins in it and everything yeah, uh, Rick's uh, Rick Remender's TV show is called Deadly Class. Oh, I, I missed that. Wow. Yeah, I, I never watched it, but uh, it it ran for let's see, I think it was like a few seasons, didn't it? Uh, anyway, he was he was one of the, uh, the the guys in our studio. He also did the animation for uh, Anastasia, if you remember that. Well, the, the, uh, the Disney. Yeah, it was like it oh was wow, Disney yeah. or DreamWorks or something. Okay. Uh, so yeah, well, we, it sounds like you yeah, were off and running, like with uh, a lot of heavy hitters, like right from the beginning. So it sounds like. Yeah, right? and basically in this field, you basically start just drawing uh, backgrounds for people, and a lot of it like starts out uncredited, and um, like I was mostly doing backgrounds for my friend John, and mm-hmm. at one point, uh, I think I think there was like. There was one point where uh, my friend Kieran wanted me to uh, – this guy Kieran Dwyer, who was working on Avengers, had me draw a few buildings in one of the panels or something. And it was, you know, Captain America and Falcon chasing um, uh, Mr. Hyde through the streets of New York or something. <laughs> not, um, not Mr. Red Skull? <laughs> no, no. Um, but, yeah, and then I, I went on to – I went on to – from there – I started working on a book called, uh, called Doll and Creature and it was Rick Remender and a guy named, uh, it was my friend John and, uh, it was our, also our friend, uh, Mike Manley. Mike Manley worked on Samurai Jack. He did like animation and storyboards oh, and stuff like that. He also worked on, ti- uh, is this around the time that you actually had a run in with, uh, Mr. George Lucas? George Lucas was actually before this. I ran into George Lucas in summer of 97. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we, uh, we, our fam, our family has a, has a friend who does, he does sound editing and he was currently working on, or at the time he was working on, uh, Disney's, uh, Hercules movie. You know, the, the animated movie, Danny yeah, DeVito. Yeah, 98, yeah. Right, right. So he was working on that and even back then before, uh, Disney officially, uh, purchased, you know, Lucasfilm, there was still a lot of like crossover and stuff like, you know, uh, yeah. Pixar and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, the, but, Luca, the so, uh, yeah, the Lucas ranch, right? The uh, Skywalker ranch in, uh, Skywalker ranch. So he was using the sound editing, um, he was using the sound editing studios in, uh, Lucas ranch in, uh, Skywalker ranch at the time. So my family and I, we just drove up there. Cause he was, he was up there working anyway. So, um, we decided to go visit and, uh, I, I don't know if you want to hear this story, but, uh, basically well, it, it, it all ties into actually, uh, later on when we get into conspiracy stuff, because 
if I remember correctly, the Skywalker Ranch before it was that it was uh, part of the Presidio, I think. With that, all that shenanigans with Michael Aquino around, it was around that area, I believe. And if you go back even further, George Lucas was one of the camera people that caught uh, the Altamont uh, murder. That you know, with the Hell's Angels. That, uh, oh my God, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. Was, yeah, I didn't it know all he ties the, uh, the Altamont stabbing. Yes, he and Francis Ford Coppola and uh, Rob Reiner, I believe, were, uh, believe were there too, uh, in some kind of technical capacity for the the film. Wow, you know, you know who else was tied up in the? Uh, I know we're going off track here a little, but you know who else was tied up in the Altamont thing? Uh, who was the lawyer on that? Was uh, what's his name from Zodiac? Um, oh, yeah, okay. Um, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, remember the the uh, the lawyer who went on television in San Francisco? Yes, and yeah, um, so yeah, he ended up representing. Uh, I think he ended up representing the bikers. Um, I don't know why the name isn't coming to me right now. Um, in the, in the Melvin movie, Melvin Belli. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he represented uh, the Hell's Angels in that. I think. Wow, it all ties yeah. together. That's all. That's the only reason I was bringing it up. Everything seems to be tied together. <laughs> So yeah, yeah so you're running with George Lucas in 1997. Yes. Well, actually the uh, the original Skywalker Ranch was further up north. Uh they didn't move it to the Presidio until like I think 2002 or 2003. They started uh you know building the whole complex that exists over there now. Um Okay, but, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm also just on a side note. I don't mean to cut you off here. But uh, that same lawyer was on, worked on the Jack Ruby trial as well. Oh, Melvin Bella? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was also. I think he was tied up in a few other. Wasn't he tied in? Wasn't he tied into Sirhan Sirhan as well? Or am I getting I'm, that wrong? I'm not sure. I don't want to actually say whether or not because uh, I'm not exactly sure. But it would not I, surprise me. <laughs> and I think I think he might have represented um, uh, Squeaky from in uh, the. The uh, attempted assassination on uh, Ford. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, we're going all over the place. All right, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, this so, is sort of uh, the nature of our of most of our conversations, anyway. Yeah, I mean, with uh, yeah, OCE generation, I, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> um, I was just really psyched when you told me you actually were able to kind of hang out with them for a little bit, right? You, you try to take your lunch money, that kind of thing. Oh well, let me uh, let's see. <laughs> Melvin Belli, I think. Yeah, I think he had. I think he was one of the later lawyers on 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 Sirhan. Yeah, yeah, but he also he also uh, Melvin Belli also represented um, the the wife of Herman Goring. Um, oh wow! And yeah, I think he used to like show up on like parties on her yacht or something. It was it was <sighs> really really bizarre stuff, but. This guy was like tied into everything somehow, which I, I don't really understand, but. Okay, well. Okay, so, so you were able to, uh, meet up with, uh, Mr. George Lucas. Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, basically, yeah, he had a, he had a place that was up, uh, it was, I forgot where it was. It was, it was way up north. It was, um, it was, yeah, it was, called, it was Skywalker Ranch. Um, I think it actually still exists, but just the, uh, they moved, if I'm, if I'm getting this right, I think they just moved all the, uh, the, the technical stuff to San Francisco. Was well, it like um, Marion County, maybe? Yeah, it's, it's okay. past that. Let's see, okay. where is Skywalker Ranch? But. <laughs> it's alright. <laughs> anyway. So, um, so anyway. Yeah, no, I heard that Kevin Smith actually got married to his wife at the uh, Skywalker Ranch too while they were doing the sound mix for Dogma in 1999. So a little, right? yeah, a little, uh, little trivia bits here and there. But so anyway, actually, Skywalker Ranch is it's over by Lucas Valley Road. That's in a place called uh, Nicasio, and it is in Marin County. Yeah, it's in Marin County. Yeah. So, um. Anyway, uh, well, he was nice, right? <laughs> yeah, he was. Well, here, here's the story. So, so what, uh, what, what occurred was we went to my friend, my, my friends, uh, he had like these little, they have these little like cottages where the people who are working on films will stay. 
And I remember his his kid was like watching a, a show, and I was like kind of walking around the the apartment. It was on a second story, and I looked out at one point, and there was this uh, there was some there was some worker, and he was trying to like fix a well or something. And I saw this guy who was like wearing like a like a blue plaid shirt, and he's like standing over the guy, and he's like pointing at things, and he looks like he's kind of like he's a little like frustrated with with whatever's happening. And I, I'm like looking down at him, and then suddenly he like looks up at me, and I get away from the window. Um, and, and that's when he came little, up with Jar Jar Binks, right? <laughs> yeah, it was it was well, it was it was before that, but uh, yeah, I um, <laughs> we we later went on this this bike trip, like throughout the because uh, Skywalker Ranch is massive, like there's all these trails and there's cows and there's these like. It, it's it's interesting the way that the design is because there are these like kind of blue and white like kind of barn looking structures everywhere. So you like from the outside you wouldn't know that they're like doing um, film production. Wow. Um, but we were like we we're just riding bikes down the down the uh, the path, and um, I had, I had uh, directly been instructed that uh, if I see George, we're not supposed to like approach him. We're not supposed to talk to him. Um, Looking you know, he basically, because he's, because he's going to be working and you're supposed to leave him alone. So, but we're, we're riding our bikes down this, this path and I see him kind of like off to, off to the corner. He's standing by like a blue truck with, with some guy and they're, they're looking at like, they're looking at like, uh, like a map or instructions or something. And I kind of, it was just like, fuck it. And I just started walking over to where he was with my camera in my hand and, uh, I was like, excuse me, can I please get a photo with you? And uh, the guy took a photo of us, and I, I just said, uh, and, you know, and, and and Lucas looks like, he was looking, like, super solid, like, like oh, my God, I can't believe, like, somebody just broke the rules or something. No, and, <laughs> yeah, and so I, I walked away, and I was like, I was like, good luck on episode one. And he, he, was, he just said, thanks. And then that, that was kind of the end of the encounter. It wasn't like a big... It wasn't a big thing where you know I got into a conversation with him, but uh, I would I would have said, "What were you thinking with American Graffiti too, dude?" <laughs> but I don't know. I guess I had to be That's there. That's hilarious. But anyway, so before we uh, move on, um, what would you say is your most your your favorite piece of artwork that you've ever uh, came up with? Favorite piece of artwork. Um, I was recently doing a, I've been doing posters for a series of conventions that I've been attending. Um, they, you know, there's a few of them. There's uh, one's called like Gem State. One's called uh, Silver Age Comic Con. Um, there's a guy named, his name's Dave Hayworth and he runs like a series of conventions. And what he does is he creates these different like mascots for his shows. And they're, they're kind of like, uh, generic superheroes. Um, like one of the, one of them's like a kind of a, a super girl and another one's like a Superman character. And one of my, one of my, my, my favorite art pieces was this, it was a poster I did for him, him in 2021. And it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a giant poster of like this, this cowboy like busting through these, uh, you know, the swinging doors and he's, he's shooting. And I, I designed the whole thing to look like, uh, like one of those old fashioned EC, you know, horror. Yeah. Um, yeah, covers, um, most people don't know this, but EC did like science fiction and Westerns and, uh, they, I think they even did romance for a little bit, They did, yeah. but it was, you know, it was mostly these, these adults, uh, these adult comic books. Um, they were primarily known later on. Their legacy is definitely the horror, like the vault of terror and the, you know, the tales in the crypt. And I, I'm, I forget there, they had a third one too. That was pretty big. But. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I, I forgot the names of all those, but, um, that, that was one of my, my favorite recent pieces. And then, um, we did this, uh, I did this, I was working with my, I'm working with my friend, uh, John on a, on a book currently. It's called Ghost Band. It's for, uh, writer, uh, Jason McNamara. And it's also, uh, it's all, it's also being worked on by a number of other artists. One of them is my friend, uh, his name's Tony Talbert. Uh, he, he penciled all these pages where we had, uh, we had San Francisco like falling apart. Like we had the, the Transamerica <laughs> building collapsing onto all the other buildings and debris is just shooting off everywhere. And the, 
and it was like, I think it was like four pages we did of just buildings falling down and, and the, the pages took hours and hours to do. It was like, uh, easily, easily went into like 10 or 12 hours just to do all the detail. And the, the artwork was like an homage to, you know, like Akira. Like if you ever look at those old, yes, uh, Akira comic books from the eighties, they're, they're these dense, these dense things. And it's just page after page of, these skyscrapers just collapsing into their footprint and just debris shooting off everywhere. And ghost uh, in the shell too. <laughs> yeah. Ghost in the shell. Yeah. So, but the, uh, the, the last book that we're doing is sort of an, an homage to like, there's stuff in there. That's like kind of an homage to, to uh, Japanese anime. Um, some of it is some of the pages. Uh, well, part of what we, what uh, the, the writer ended up doing is he ended up hiring all these different these different artists with their own unique uh, styles to work on the book. Um, and it's, it's really fun to look through. He's, you know, he's got it on Dropbox and I've been just kind of scanning through it, but. And what was that called? What was that called again? What's that? It's called a uh, ghost band. Ghost band, not man. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So I'm be sure. One of the, uh, one of the unfortunate things about, uh, you know, working on my own, my own comics is that I often don't read them. I've, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how many comics that I've actually worked on that I've actually, uh, troubled okay. to read. Yeah. yeah. It's like I've been so busy doing the art that, you know, there, anyway, so we'll, this, this book is going to be about, I think it's about like a virus that has to do with like a computer virus or something. And, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, we, if, if my, if my, virus he's going to correct me into it, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, um, uh, and you know, it's post-apocalyptic, but in the, uh, in the story, these guys are, they're, they're forming, they're going all over San Francisco collecting up, uh, like, like different instruments and stuff from, at one point they go into the Hyde Street studio in San Francisco and they collect the, one of the girl characters is collecting all these, uh, these parts and these amps and speakers and stuff. And at the end of it, I guess they're having like a, they're having a show in the band shell in San Francisco. Wow, that's something. Hey, I can't wait to check that out. Seriously. Yeah. So, so what I would like to know is what brought you to the world of conspiracy theories and then later on researching conspiracy theories? <laughs> um, well, that's a, that's a big question. Uh, I guess it kind of started, um, with probably X files in the, the nineties. Um, and, from there, it was, uh, you know, getting into getting into politics and from there, you know, getting into, you know, reading guys like like uh, Jim Mars. And uh, then from there, you know, listening to a lot of like Infowars and stuff. And then from there, you know, finding out about Donald Jeffries, reading his books. Um, after you that, actually you, know, you actually did the cover for his latest release, right? Um, yeah, I did, uh, for, what's it called? It was on borrowed fame. It's, <laughs> it's on borrowed fame. Hollywood yeah. scandals. Yeah. Um, and, and truth be told, we both worked on, uh, Hidden History 3. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, oh, heads up, Chris, my, uh, my, my phone, which I'm, I'm doing Skype on is about to, it appears the, uh, the, the charge is about to go out. So I've got it plugged in. I hope it doesn't, uh, kind of zap out on me here in a second but if it well, does maybe we turn the camera off maybe that might yeah let's let's that. do that here okay all right see if sorry I'm... folks <laughs> live radio yeah sorry folks all right so, anyway, so you really... yeah so you did the cover for uh on borrowed fame so that that's pretty cool and uh, how yeah. did you uh what was the first thing you actually ended up researching for uh mr jeffries um, the first thing I researched for him was, uh, it was, it was in crimes and cover-ups. We ended up, uh, you know, I found out that he had gotten the book to the publisher. And so I started, uh, I started automatically sending him stuff, sending him articles and, uh, things that I thought would be cool to include. The, the, my only contribution in that book was there was a little portion about, uh, Grover Cleveland in there, um, Grover Cleveland famously uh, had slept with, I, I forgot, I think it was a girl who was, uh, was like many, many, many years his younger. And 
he ended up getting her pregnant and she later approached him and, you know, said, Hey, I've got your, I've got your baby or whatever. And so wow. he ended up, yeah. And he, and she even, I think she even named the kid after him. Um, and he ended up, uh, getting her, uh, put in a, like a mental institution. And, you know, if you're, if you're looking <laughs> at, you know, 18th century mental institutions, those, those weren't nice places to be in. Yeah. Uh, and, but however, when she was there, you know, they, they quickly examined her and was, they're like, yeah, she's not, she's not crazy. And they, they let her out, but, um, that was her, a rarity too, because usually they want to keep you, <laughs> they want to do all kinds of things. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, I guess the kid had gotten put up for adoption once she had gotten out. And I, I don't really know this story beyond that point. If, if she ever okay. found the, the kid or not, but. Uh, anyway, that was that was my contribution to uh, crimes and cover-ups. That's awesome. No, I, I, yeah. no you very uh, very well researched when it comes to uh, the earlier uh, decades of the 20th century <laughs> and before that. You know, um, yeah, you've done quite uh, some very good work. Um, you actually came across some uh, some Howard Hughes. Research. Oh wow, this is uh, this is quite a rabbit hole to go down. Are you, are you sure you want me to, Chris? Well, let's, well, let's just uh, pick like uh, one aspect of it, you know, and kind of go from there for now. Because uh, you know, I'll be talking to you more and more uh, down the line, and this will be a reoccurring thing anyway. So, um, okay, let's uh, let's just say this a little ju- juicy nugget. He actually had supposedly he had his own hangar. Area 51, correct? Yes. He, um, yeah, that was actually uh, mentioned in, uh, I guess that was ma- mentioned in Annie Jacobson's book on, on Area 51. But yeah, he had his own hangar in, uh, in Area 51. And, uh, I believe he was actually loaded onto a plane, uh, once he had been kidnapped, um, in Area yeah. 51. Uh, People had witnessed, uh, like him, like, I guess strapped to like a table or something or strapped to, you know, one of those, those gurneys being loaded onto a plane. Almost um, like the Anne Heche one where she's actually trying, she's actually very much alive and trying to escape. <laughs> like we saw the footage recently. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, he, um, he famously, uh, he famously disappeared. I guess he was, he was staying at this place called the desert Inn for the longest time in, uh, in Las Vegas, it was like this casino and he had, uh, he had rented out the, like the, the whole upper floor or something. I think it was the whole upper floor or, or was like several floors or something, but yeah. he was, he was staying in one of those and he would only let select people come up and see him. And he, uh, yeah, I think it was like, I think it was around, um, was it like it was like Thanksgiving 1970 or something? He yeah. he just disappeared. But um, if you read uh, the books by if you read books by guys like uh, John Meyer, John Meyer does a good book. He was one of um he and Robert Mayhew were like his two guys until uh, the hostile takeover took took place. Um, <laughs> Robert Mayhew was a character. Robert Mayhew is like tied into just about everything. Um. You give us some examples of that? Cause when you told me this, uh, I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> Robert Mayhew or? Yeah. Yeah. How he's pretty much, uh, you know, the Forrest Gump of, uh, shady, uh, conspiracy worlds, like in early <laughs> in the 20th century. Yeah. He shows up just about everywhere. He, um, he was like, I, I believe he was in the FBI with, um, in the FBO Chicago office with, uh, with, um, What's his name? Uh, Guy Bannister back oh, in like the forties. And what's, what's even, what's even more weird is that, um, he was in the Chicago office with Guy Bannister at the same time that, uh, that Jack Ruby was arrested for, um, he was arrested in connection with, I'm, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but the Chicago mob that was associated with Frank Nitty, Frank Nitty was, if, if you ever watch, um, the Untouchables movie. He's like, he's like, uh, uh, Al Capone's henchman. But, um, I I think in real life, he wasn't really as much Al Capone's henchman as like, he was like a, 
a mobster who actually ran things. But um, there was there was some stolen mon- there was some stolen uh, mob money, um, and what was it? there was there was like a lawyer and he ended up getting shot. His name was Leon Cook, and uh, Jack Ruby actually got arrested in connection with uh, that that shooting. And Guy Bannister and uh, Robert Mayhew would have been the uh, the FBI agents dealing with that case at that time. So there's there's all these. It's interesting that these characters that you see later in the uh, you know Kennedy assassination and like later assassinations they they go back a ways. And they're usually tied to the aerospace industry, right? And uh, this Mayhew character was really connected to the Robert Kennedy assassination, right? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, Robert Mayhew later ends up forming like a detective agency that's uh, it, it's very closely connected to the CIA. Um, and Robert Mayhew later ends up becoming like Howard Hughes, uh, like his, his number one or number two guy. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, I think... I think well, that's how it connects with Hughes because uh, Hughes himself was connected with so many different characters. Yes, Howard Hughes was like a uh, Howard Hughes is. Um, it's interesting because I think I think a lot of people just kind of you know short kind of short circuit Howard Hughes and you know what he was really about. Um, you know, like oh he he made some movies and he made the most expensive movie and you know he made the pilot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he ended up, um, you know, building a plane that had the largest wingspan and ended up, you know, going crazy and, you know, uh, long fingernails, you know, going to the yeah, urine in jars or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. but and that might not be the case whatsoever either, right? Cause, uh, I've come across many different things over the years that kind of show that he was taken out by some intelligence agency and, and kind of kept alive as a recluse in, in the public sector, right? Have you come? Yeah, across- he, yeah. Um, yeah. If you if you look into the uh, if you look into some of the uh, the work of like, oh, Chris, you still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or look into the work okay. of yeah. If you look into like the uh, May Brussel does a bunch of good work on yes. uh, the fact that there were Howard Hughes doubles. Um, wow. Like th- there would be. There would be like on, there'd be like a sighting of Howard Hughes at one point where he's, he's, uh, you know, there's like the, the kind of crazy Howard Hughes with the long hair and the long, you know, doesn't cut his fingernails and, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's making his, his bodyguards watch, uh, um, you know, ice station zebra over and over on a loop. And then there would be sightings <laughs> of like H- Howard Hughes, like, you know, um, like at, at hotels and wearing nice suits. And so there was, so something was, something was up there. Like he would have, um, different people standing in for him. So, um, it just then, reminds me of, uh, the research I was doing recently, just with the different Saddams and everything, <laughs> you know, the decoys and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that it's actually not that unusual for like political figures to have, uh, decoys, you know, cause, People are always always trying to shoot political figures. Yeah, like Hitler had uh, plenty of decoys. Saddam, yeah, all throughout history. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Quick stop for gas. Next up, tailgate. I can't wait to start grilling all the stuff we just bought at Hannaford. Can't wait to fire up these teriyaki marinated steak tips and this fresh salmon. Surfing turf. Hey. Do you know if we earn rewards in their store brand meat and seafood? Great question, bro. We're ready to fill you up. Earn rewards on all Hannaford store brand meat and seafood. Yeah. Nice. It's simple to save with my Hannaford rewards. Welcome to Hannaford. I'm hungry, Dad. I know, buddy. Look, all your favorites. Oh, yeah. Hannaford brand tastios. <gasps> Nature's Promise apples. <gasps> Taste of Inspiration's five cheese pizza. Yum, yum, and yum. Do we earn rewards on all these store brands? Well, sir, excellent question. Attention shoppers, earn rewards on all Hannaford store brands. Well, what do you know? I was going to say that. 
It's simple to save with my Hannaford Rewards. Anyway, uh, what was I saying about this? Um, anyway, so ha- w- one thing that's really interesting is is the the Hughes-Nixon connection. Um, yes, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, like, so, so Hughes was like, um, you know, he had like a, a, hold on a second, hold on, hold on. My, my computer just kind of froze on me here. Just trying to get the, uh, get my research back up. Um, but basically he had made this, this deal with, with Nixon's brother, Don Nixon. Don Nixon had a, he had a chain of, of fast food restaurants that were going for a while. And he ended up giving Nixon's brother a loan for like, I think it was $205,000, uh, which I guess was a lot of money back in the day. Um, but in exchange, uh, Nixon helped, uh, get through this, this deal with the Hughes Corporation where he was able to, uh, take Hughes Aerospace and put it under, uh, a tax exempt status. So it has something um, to do with medical building too, right? Yeah, it, it was put under Hughes Medical. It's it's very strange. And then it all ties back with that with this Robert Mayhew, who was he Howard Hughes's uh, you know right hand man, uh, basically. And what was his tie to the Bobby Kennedy assassination and Sirhan Sirhan? And did he have a connection with? With uh, the security guard Caesar as well, that many people think uh, was probably uh, Bobby Kennedy's actual killer. Um, yes, um, Mayhew actually worked for. Hold on a second, let me. Uh, it was like Lockheed Martin, right? Yeah, he worked in like the Skunk Works division. Uh, Caesar did. Um, let me see. Let me pull some of this and up. And he here. only got the, he only was put in place at the Ambassador Hotel like a week prior, right? Yeah, it was, it was a yeah. week, it was a week prior to, to the shooting. Let's see. Um, let me open, give me a second here. Yeah, cause, uh, he, cause as much, uh, as much of a connection that Robert Mayhew had to the, uh, first JFK, assa- uh, the first Kennedy assassination, Seemed like he was really concentrated with, uh, with Bobby Kennedy's assassination in Los Angeles with his uh, detective agency you were just mentioning. Yeah, uh, there was, hold on a second, let me, I gotta grab a reference here. Um, da, 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 I put it. Yeah, uh, if you look at a book called Age of Secrets by Gerald Bellet, um, there is a diary in the back by John Meyer where he, he gets into it. John Meyer was like the, the number one or number two guy for, for Howard Hughes. Um, but he has a number of like very revealing things that he says back there on how he had, um, how he had run into Don Nixon chatting with Robert Mayhew on several occasions, you know, claiming that they were behind the shooting. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, because you had like a pretty extensive research on uh, Howard Hughes that I think you should even write a book eventually on a line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, you could even do the cover art too. <laughs> yeah, that that might be good. Let's see. Let's see. Let me. Take a look at this. Sorry, I, I my computer's sort of coming and going, so I'm trying to. I was planning on actually reading my notes here. Yeah, no, that's and, fine. We'll just talk about different things here. Well, while we're waiting on that, um, you came across some something I thought was pretty startling. Uh, Joseph McCarthy and the Roswell connection. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um. Let's see. There is. Oh, here's my notes. So um, what's pretty weird is. So if you look at the transcript of Army Signal Corps subversion and espionage, it's November 3rd, 1953. 
These are government documents you can find online. They were declassified in 2003. Yeah. But these are uh, these are the Monmouth uh, the Monmouth hearings, um, and I I lean heavily on the uh, the work of uh, of Joseph P. Farrell. He does a good book called uh, McCarthy Monmouth in the Deep State. Um, I and, came across that, yeah, yeah. So here's some of my notes here. Um, in the course of probing the question of the missing documents with witness Harry J. Donahue. Senator McCarthy himself mentions the Roswell year and the Roswell month of July. Wow. Um, and this is, here's a little bit of, uh, of Joseph Farrell's uh, notes here. Senator McCarthy was simply randomly pulling months out of, let's see, there are two interpretations of this. Let's see. Uh, I don't have the exact, the exact transcript here, but what happens is the, the Roswell year and month come up repeatedly throughout uh, the questioning of, of uh, Harry J. Donahue and several others. And there's a few incidents where he is questioning, questioning different witnesses on the stand. And the subject of uh, New Mexico comes up as well. Because if, if you recall, um, in the year that, that the, uh, in the year being covered in the, um, in the hearings, the, the army had not separated off into the air force yet. So the, the air force was still a part of it. So yeah, he ends up. um, And then another weird thing is when he's questioning Alan Sterling gross about security measures at Fort Monmouth. um, One thing that comes up regularly is uh, the blue book. There's like a mention mention of the blue book. Like he says, uh, um, this is way before. And this is, uh, is this way before Project Blue Book or? Uh, it was around the time. Okay, so it adds up then. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so. Let's see. So Joseph McCarthy, uh, Joe McCarthy, uh, of the famous blackballing, uh, McCarthyism and all that, which, uh, history apparently hasn't painted him in uh, a true light, uh, from what I understand. Uh, I had an right. interest in uh, the the UFO phenomenon, starting with uh, the Roswell incident in 1947, July, uh, July of 47, right? Yeah, that's right. So, um, but yeah, he's he. They're constantly bringing this up. There's there's a lot of weird stuff in those transcripts, by the way. Uh, there's mention of Blue Book. There's mention of July 1947. There's a lot of uh, mention of uh, New paper Mexico. Clip? Yeah. Uh, I don't actually. There is a mention of Paperclip. Um, yeah. It's it's actually mentioned in the in McCarthy's book. Um, his book on um, I think it's on is it on Marshall? Um, what's the for those, know, for those that don't uh, don't know uh, up. Uh, paperclip was an operation where we we basically took a whole bunch of Nazi scientists at the end of World War II, brought them over here to start our our space program in NASA, like Warner Ron Braun. Yeah, there there's a I'm I'm looking at the book right now. It's called America's Retreat from Victory: The Story of George Catlett Marshall. There's actually a part in the book where. He's actually complaining that, uh, the, um, I believe it was, I believe it was Marshall or he's, he's complaining that there's a part of the government that keeps interfering with, uh, bringing German scientists over, which is, is pretty interesting. That's about the, uh, that's about the extent of what he mentions about paperclip. Um, One thing that's also tends to be interested in, uh, some very off, I don't know, off kilter, is that the right term, like, uh, subjects. And it's right in the middle of these, uh, regular hearings, right? Yeah. In addition, his, uh, in his famous, uh, speech, which he ended up, he ends up doing like a, like a famous speech. I forgot it was like the early, uh, fifties. He ends up doing this this speech in front of, I think it's the, was it the Senate or the house, but he ended up, uh, going into like this, this giant thing about how, um, about how Marshall 
was not where he said he was during uh, during Pearl Harbor. And he starts getting into um, like the winds message and he starts quoting from um, he starts quoting from like a Pearl Harbor book uh, by a guy named George Morgenstern, who um, who, you know, if, if you do, if you don't know, he was sort of like the the Harold Weisberg of, of Pearl Harbor conspiracies. He's one of the, the first guys to you know start getting it out there. Um, yeah, all the right. all the irregularities yeah. and how the hearings were really uh you know a sham to uh cover up what really took place. So McCarthy actually goes and starts he starts uh like reading portions of that book uh during his famous speech in the I think it was the Senate, but um he also includes it in the in his in his book, his book on uh George Marshall. Um, just how there was, you know, something going on and how, um, there was foreknowledge and whatnot. So, you know, this guy was like, he was really stepping on a lot of toes as far as the, the government was concerned. Yeah. A lot of this is stuff that they probably did not want to come to light, you know, especially in the moment, you know, especially later on when a lot of this stuff becomes classified for years and years. Right. Right. So anyway, so moving on, um, since you have a connection with uh, comic books and things, I figured uh, we'd touch upon maybe some some Stan Lee and Jack Kirby things that we we both have found over the years. Uh, Would you like to go into uh, Stan Lee's connection with the Clintons? Yes, Um, this is uh, this is one of those Clinton scandals that just not get covered very often um in right. a lot of the alternative research community yeah but there was a i, I don't and see this is one of the, the problems is that i don't understand it fully um but there was a thing where uh after the clintons left office they ended up uh doing like a fundraiser for um for hillary clinton uh taking over the i think it was a it was it wasn't like a Senate position. It was the Senate seat that a lot of us think that John Kennedy Jr. was going to run for, and may have played a part in his demise. But that's for another show. But yes, yeah, this New York. So there's Senate a little bit of a JFK Jr. connection to that. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, um, I don't I don't really know the exact details of how this went about, but um, it was basically insider trading, right, with uh, Stanley yeah, was- Media. That was the name of Yeah, there was something illegal about the fundraising they did. And the there was this guy, uh, Peter Paul, who ended up raising a ton of money for Stanley Media. And I think I believe the Clintons ended up taking the the people that were hired to, you know, run Stanley Media for their own for their campaign. And um, Peter Paul was kind of. uh, viewed as like this, this shyster in the main, you know, in the mainstream media and this, this, this scammer. And he was, he was basically faulted for, uh, collapsing that company. Um, yeah, left Stanley holding the bag basically and not looking too good. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then somehow or other, Peter Paul ended up in like, uh, he ended up in like a, uh, South American prison or something. Yes. <laughs> yep. This is where I was going. Like he, his, he, his ending was very, uh, curious and explosive, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't know what the, the latest is on him, if he's still around or what, but, um, yeah, I remember correctly, but didn't he get like, uh, shot to death? Like very violently? Did he? Yeah. Well, I guess if we both don't know, <laughs> we probably should move on. That, that um, is, uh, that's what I've read before. Yeah, I've read that there was someone connected with this whole scandal that people don't really know about. Ended up being like shot to death <laughs> very violently. Um, so yeah, and then we also found out that, uh, they were the people that were supposed to be taking care of Stanley at the end of his life. They, uh, they ended up like selling his blood, having him sign documents and things when, uh, you know, his mind wasn't all there and everything. It, it kind of ties into the Don's book on borrowed fame, you know, just how some of these celebrities in their, you know, later years, especially uh, there was a book uh, that was written about 
uh, what was it? Uh, Rob Zombie was going to make a movie out of this book and it had to do with, you know, the animal crackers, um, the, oh man, the, the comedy, uh, troupe from back in the day, uh, Groucho Marx. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the Marx brothers, he uh, lived with a woman who was supposed to be his caregiver and she ended up uh, making his final years, uh, miserable. So it, it kind of reminded me of that. And unfortunately, I think, uh, Stanley's daughter, you know, uh, I, I don't want to say too much just, but I don't, all the stuff I've read on her, it doesn't really paint her in a, a very nice light either. But anyway, but then but there, we also, there was also, also some weird thing with, with his manager. And then there was this weird story that came out like a year before his death where like, Men had shown up on his property, uh, yes. you know, waving guns around and like saying, like demanding to get paid or something. Yeah, I think I, I think that may have been what I, I think I did a Mandela effect just now. I think I crossed that over with the, uh, the other guy from the scandal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but anyway, Jack Kirby, who was a uh, collaborator in the early Marvel comics, uh, years, he had a lot of different curious, uh, you know, he had a, a background uh, doing intelligence work. I mean, he actually appears as a character in the Ben Affleck movie Argo. Argo, the, that's right. He ended up, he ended up doing a whole, uh, a whole series of art for this, this movie, this, uh, this fictional movie that didn't end up getting made. I think it was going to be called like Lord of Light or something. And if you look at the artwork, it's, it's beautiful. It's this really intricate, you know, it's, it's artwork in a way that only Jack Kirby could do. Um, and I, I guess it was to, uh, it was to get the know, hostages out of uh, free the Iran. hostages. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess he never, you know, lived long enough to, to find out that that's really what he was doing the project for. Like as, as far as I know, uh, Kirby was not aware that he was actually doing this for the central intelligence agency. Invest in your future on your schedule at Columbia College. Earn an accredited degree faster with eight-week classes starting six times a year. Go at your own pace as you build your future. Learn more at yourfuture.ccis.edu. Yeah, I've heard conflicting things about that where he very well knew exactly that it wasn't a real production and they were going to use Canadians as a way, uh, Canadian filmmakers as a way to get in there. But it, it, I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. Um, but he he actually did uh, some artwork uh, for a comic ten years before we got the pictures back from Mars that showed the face the famous face on Mars. And yeah. He actually did artwork for a comic book like ten years prior to that that basically mirrored that image of the face on Mars. Have you come across wow. that? I'm not familiar with that. What's your take on that? I don't know. Some people that I've talked to, they say, well, hey, you know, we're all, you know, they kind of go esoteric with it where, you know, they say that, you know, with the human mind and they they go down a real rabbit hole. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I've, they, NASA, I believe, tries to say now that the, it was all the workings of shadows and, the trick of light and everything and that it's not so much a face uh, on Mars, but more just like a, just this region that would, that those certain shadows cast over it, it, it had the appearance of a face, but, uh, I, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't totally trust NASA, especially when they say that we lost the technology to go back to the moon. Um, I guess because the janitor uh, threw it in the dumpster or something. Well, wait, uh, is, is that the actual story that the janitor no, no. threw it away? It's, that was my take, basically. It was as ridiculous as that. <laughs> that was some, uh, that's like, night that's like a, you know, parts of Kennedy's brain ending up in a food processor. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it was the same janitor. He uh, he was working too many hours. He just wanted uh, you know two weeks vacation. You know, his wife was always getting on him. You know, about taking out the trash. But anyway, uh, wow. Yeah, wow. so we got we got that, and then uh, I also found out that uh, Alan Moore actually did a a graphic novel in 1988, and it was loosely based on. Um, 
Fletcher Prouty's work, I believe. You know, really? the, shadow, the shadow team, you know, uh, that he yeah. that Fletcher Prouty refers to with the in the book The Secret Team, I believe. And uh yeah, and what Alan Moore did was I think he took like uh an American Eagle is like the character and it's supposed to represent, you know, us <laughs> and then it being corrupted and that had some intelligence ties to it too, that that publication. You know, that's uh from nineteen eighty eight. And uh, I know we all know that, you know, Alan Moore is uh he's quite the character himself. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's like uh he's like a witch or something, right? I think he created his own serpent uh, theology or some, something to that effect. Uh, no. he, yeah, he, he like worships um, a serpent, I think. And uh, yeah, he he doesn't like uh, the comic book industry. I know that because uh, I guess he he feels like he hasn't been treated fairly with that. But yeah, he's he's the only guy that I know that's like completely sour when when you know his books are made into movies. But he'll cast a check, as far as I, I can tell, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, he, he famously didn't want his name on the, the Watchmen film, you know, the, the Zack Snyder yeah, movie from he, a few years ago. He didn't want his name on V for Vendetta or From Hell or The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He, Yeah, nothing. He didn't want his name on any of it. And uh, he was responsible for, you know, the killing joke that kind of went into the Joker's origin. Yeah. Wow, that's right. Yeah, they're yeah. they're still they're still referencing that in you know Batman comics. Oh yeah. It's like oh yeah, you know it's 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 Barbara Gordon and she can't walk. Oh, but now now she can walk and but she's still yeah. traumatized by the you know the Joker. You know. Yeah, and there's a controversy too because they just did a direct-to-video uh, movie uh, adaptation of that. The Killing Joke, hmm. in which at the beginning, I believe, uh, Batgirl and Batman are, you know, messing around in, uh, you know, what I would call bat coitus. <laughs> and uh, Mark Hamill, uh, he did the voice for the Joker and, uh, you know, it was very tastefully done. You know, I, I think they could have had like that scene from Ghosts. Maybe they could have recreated that you know, <laughs> with the batarangs and everything. And, yeah, you know, but no one ever answers my letters. But <laughs> anyway, Peter, we have uh, a few minutes left. Um, you had an interesting story about the Bohemian Grove. Could you tell? Uh, do we have that? enough time? Do we have enough time? I see it's six o'clock now. Uh well, maybe uh, the Cliff Notes version. Okay, the Cliff Notes we'll, version. Um, yeah, my my. Uh, my mom and I, we, we do, uh, we do a bit of handyman work. And, uh, many years ago, we used to work at a gentleman's house. His name was, uh, uh, Anthony Frank. And he used to be the, the postmaster general of, uh, for the original, the original, uh, George Bush. Um, and he, every year we, we would go, we, you know, we build his, his deck over the, uh, the, the, the pond out there in, in Tiburon. Um, but he, every year he would get these notifications on his uh, sliding glass door that always, they were always in this like funny code, like attention bald eagle. And there are these little, like these little invites. And um, anyway, he would sometimes like leave the mail out on his, his table. One time um, it was like the, I, I, I kind of looked through some of it. I probably shouldn't have, but it was like the, the wine list at Bohemian Grove. And uh, so Many years, many years later, I think it was like 2017 or 18. He ended up, uh, cause he would, he would go every single year and he would, you know, hang out with the bushes and whatnot. But my, uh, many years later, he ended up inviting my mom to Bohemian Grove. Um, most people don't know this, but about, you know, I think it's like once a year, you can, you can go and like if you're a member, you go and you invite you can invite guests and it doesn't really matter who the guests are, but they're like your, whoever your friends are. So you, you can bring them there. Right. Um, I mean, other, other than that is my understanding is that it's, it is, you know, all male. Um, That's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he ended up, he ended up taking her there and, uh, my, 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 my mom hated it. She completely hated it. So, you know, this, this was her story, but, uh, 
she said that that they got there and like his whole uh part of the camp was all you know like dilapidated like the uh his cabin was falling in and was being used as a a place to store chairs or something. Well, it wasn't um, the, the place where they were sacrificing all the children, right? Supposedly. No, they, <laughs> according to my mom, they, they didn't do that while she was there, but she also, uh, she also got, some, <laughs> yeah, she also got so, so fed up with the thing that she ended up like, uh, like demanding to leave, like before everyone was done with everything. So she might've just missed out on it. Right, like Moloch and uh, Cronkite <laughs> speech and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, poor her, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's like me, a day late and a dollar short. I but um, but anyway, yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, she, uh, there, there, there were, I guess he was like, I guess he he passed away this year. His name was Anthony Frank, but he, uh, I didn't, I didn't know this, but I ended up like looking on his his Wikipedia a little bit a little bit later, you know, this year. And it turned out that he was like, he's tied into the uh, maternal side of the Rothschilds. I didn't, I had, I had no idea, but. Um, I was going to ask that eventually. Yeah. It was that and something about the trilateral commission, but I couldn't back that up. Yeah. Right. I, uh, <laughs> so, so, but, but according to my mom, she verified the thing that, uh, that there was a sign that said, you know, like, this is where, the agreement for, um, uh, you know, remember there's like an agreement where like they decided to, to like build the nuke and it like ended up going back to some agreement at Bohemian Grove. Yes. Yeah. She, she verified that there was a sign there that, you know, went over that and they even bragged about it over dinner. Like, um, and this was kind of the thing that set my mom off. She was like, yeah, I I don't want to be here anymore, Tony. Like, let's get the hell out of here. Um, but one of the, one of the funny, funny parts of it was that, uh, he ended up making some comment to her that was like, um, that he was like, yeah, you know, the, uh, the, the, the gay guys here at Bohemian Grove, they're, they're, they're lucky because, because they don't have to, they don't have to go anywhere or something. And my mom was like, gay, like, you guys are all conservatives. And he's like, no, no, we're, we're liberal. We're liberal here. And then he ended up making some comments about how the, like the ambassador from like Turkey or someplace had, he had left the camp to go into town to, to go get prostitutes or something. Um, it's usually what I do before they bring out the breadsticks. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Peter, <laughs> not much of a story, but, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I get you. We'll, we'll flesh it out. We'll, we'll make uh, some kind of lifetime movie out of it eventually. <laughs> but uh, no, I really enjoyed this, and uh, I um, I look forward to talking to you more about uh, some some weird stuff down the line. Uh, is there anywhere that anyone can reach you, or, or do you have a website uh, that shows your artwork, or how can people support you? Um. Let's see. My my email is peterseekosh at gmail dot com, and my uh, my website is uh, peterseekosh art. Um, and just just type in that, and you'll you'll probably find it. The the website needs to be updated a little bit, but uh, it's got some any of my coming appearances coming up at conventions. Um. Well, I was just at one last week, and I think my next one is actually going to be in Idaho. Uh, it's going to be the Gem State Comic Con, um, okay. and I, I do that every year. It's it's up in Boise. And you had a you had a famous uh, dinner at one of these uh, conventions with uh, the great John Barber, right? I did, I did. That was in uh, Reno last year. Um, you lost him too, because I ended up. Uh, I, I lost John Barber. <laughs> I felt very bad about it, and uh, I, I was calling everyone I know. Everyone you know, saying, "Hey, have you you heard from John?" You know, I just I I felt terrible at the you know the the prospect of losing John. Um, we. Um, yeah, I was sitting here in Massachusetts crying. You know, not about <laughs> that, but because my pizza didn't show up on time, like I said, but. But anyway, all right. So <laughs> it was great talking to you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. And uh, That sounds good. I, I, I hope this wasn't too hard for people to listen to. No, that, well, my voice is a, a natural turnoff, so you're, you're golden, my friend. And, okay. Uh, we'll okay. speak again. <laughs> sounds great, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me on.